right, everybody, welcome into the late week edition of Concrete Jungle, a New York baseball podcast here on FingerLakes1.com. I am Paul Russo. As always, Kyle Evans here with me. Kyle, I don't want to give too much away right now, admittedly, exactly about this podcast in terms of how I'm going to be. But to the Mets fans out there that don't enjoy the perspective that I bring upon for their team. I hope they're ready for me to just turn, take a big heel turn, more or less today, outside of one main topic, which, uh, if you read the title, is very forefront and apparent why I'm very happy for the Mets and my good take about the Mets today. But, um, yeah, yeah, I think... Um, I know you caught on to it a little bit last night, I think. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, if, uh, as I say, you know, I'm, I, I'll, I'll wear the black hat. I don't mind if I got to. So uh, that's where we're pretty much at. Although, um, last night was feel good for the Mets a little bit. But, you know, we'll, we'll circle everything back around here and everything. But, Kyle, um, how's the week been so far for you? It's been... Collectively, baseball as a whole has been, had a really interesting week, and the New York teams in particular have been uh, very much at the forefront of it. Yeah, I wasn't going to admit this, especially to you, mm. but uh, it's probably the most fun I've had watching the Yankees this oh, year. Oh, boy. Um, just all the chaos involved with the, right. you know, the first two games especially. Right. Um, more winnings involved. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's been more enjoyable. But that doesn't mean I'm satisfied. You right. Keep rolling. Fair. Got to take the series tonight. Yep. But yeah, it's been a good week. How about yours? It. I can't complain. Um, I know I had to do a part roast of you just now before we went live because you didn't have any faith in our f- common connection of the Miami Heat here, and um, that that pains me deep down that you didn't trust the goat of La Spolstra and Australia, Eric Spolstra or Jimmy him, he Butler, but um, it's very interesting. Uh, look, baseball podcast here, so let's have a minute of, of basketball talk. I found it very interesting. A couple of things about the Celtics here. One, uh, they're going to take game two, I feel like, to Definitely. be completely honest. Um, if they don't take game two, um, this is where the really what I call heat homer Paul comes out. For, for, and I think maybe I have to preface it with this a little bit to be to be fully clear. Baseball is by far my favorite sport. Love baseball. But when I was playing, like, basketball, and even, like, pick up to a degree still, I think it seeps out of me every now and then. But, like, basketball allowed me to be, like, the bully version of whatever the hell I was going to be and just kind of go along that line. And the heat allowed me to, I'd say – act upon those uh demons if you will yeah i i would not want to be around me if the heat were to win tomorrow night on friday (laughs) that's just my thought but i found it interesting jason tatum did not attempt a field goal in the fourth quarter last night um joe mazula didn't take a timeout at all in the third quarter (laughs) i found it really interesting too um and it's kind of goes against i think some general basketball fundamentals at this point but they were a much better offense with Robert Williams on the court (laughs) and 
he didn't play at all in crunch time in the fourth, and I just kind of thought that um, maybe threw a bit of a wrinkle into how the Celtics actually might have performed. So, yeah, either way. You know. So what you're saying is poor coaching. Yeah, more uh, probably more. Outcoached. Yeah, yeah uh, outcoached, um, outplayed by each team's go-to star. Just you know, a third quarter collapse. Blunt. Yeah, forty-six points. Yeah, hard to hard to do in the NBA these days. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right, enough uh, enough basketball. Um, we are presumably, I think, about four minutes, and we've nothing but pretty much discussed that. So, um, yeah, let's uh, let's handle some podcast business here first. Thank the Sano Propane for Generation Strong is a trustworthy family-owned business with unmatched customer service. Go online at sanopropane.com for more information, or you can call them toll-free at 1-800-752-4574. Today, since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto and the Hugo Lake Wine Trail. From your first sip, your last look at the lake. Hugo Lake Wine Trail will impress you and inspire you. As America's first wine trail, you are truly choose your own path when you visit the wineries. You can soak in the scenery and make memorable moments with friends. You can plan your trip at hugowinetrail.com and Guys, the weather is getting nice. Cool, like wine trail is calling. So, hop to it. Um, let's. It, it's very weird. I, you teed it up pretty good, Kyle. I thought we'll start with the Yankees uh, today because um, their talking points have, are very singular um, today. It's kind of kind of strange uh, how it works sometimes in baseball, but that happens. Um, they're look. They're up two to one in the series. Uh, the exact opposite of what you thought and kind of more on pace what I was kind of leaning towards potentially here. Um, but the the play on the field, really, to be honest, for both teams has been overshadowed by kind of what's been going on off of it. And it gets going Monday night when um, – and this is weird. I, I caught a little bit of flack for it, but I don't think people fully got what I was kind of exactly saying um, – between Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez, the uh, broadcaster Sports Toronto on Sportsnet, and Schulman's about as good as a play-by-play guy as you can get. Um, Buck, Marti- Buck Martinez, uh, baseball wifer, great player, great color commentator. Um, if you're going to throw around the accusations of a guy like Aaron Judge, frankly cheating, which is what they are, I do not care Blue Jays fans, if you think that they weren't, they are, you can't just base the assumption on, well, his eyes are looking weird, you know, and that's the part to me that kind of sucks, and obviously it's the part that teed off everything uh, with what ended up kind of cascading through. Um, I found very funny kind of everything, the comment-wise at that point, which we'll get to here, so... I'll tee it up to you. I, I was kind of shocked in the moment because obviously here stateside, um, we have yes, and that's the broadcast we get and um, for these games uh, if they're not national. And um, they made no mention about the eyes, obviously, until Tuesday when everything kind of was now being talked about. I didn't see the eye thing get discussed until – I wouldn't say well after the game, but it was kind of right before Blue Jay manager John Schneider's comments really took off, um, and that's when I first saw it. So um, there was a the bit of the delay there, I guess, really more so than anything. 
Um, what were your initial thoughts, I think, with really, to be honest, the opening comments that kind of triggered everything off? Well, first of all, there was no footage of him or any other player doing that same thing right. in any part of the game. So that immediately made me think, yes, they, the guy was tipping his pitches or they, uh, the Blue Jays weren't hiding their signs. I do, I do want to circle back to Jay Jackson, by the way. Yeah, so they weren't hiding their signs uh, the right way, and the Yankees picked something up, and that's what they're supposed to do is coaches on the bench, players on the bench, pick up anything you can as an advantage. And clearly they did, and it wasn't electronically, so therefore it's legal. And, yeah, I think the, the Blue Jays broadcasters just tried to, I guess, stir the pot, get things going, and... It sure enough did because the baseball world was really talking about Aaron Judge all day mm. Tuesday. Now, in terms of fan bases, because I'm a frequent, I'm a redditor. I frequent the baseball subreddit among others, obviously. And it was pretty much 29 fan bases against one, which is very strange that um, out of the other fan bases, everybody was kind of rallying around the Yankees in a weird way <laughs> um, through all of this. It's interesting, and it's kind of funny because Jay Jackson has now come out, journeyman pitcher, saying that he was tipping his pitches. And what's funny is I didn't think he was the one actually tipping. I thought it was catcher Alejandro Kirk, um, who in his, to me, and obviously it's tough because we're looking from pretty much only a head-on spot, right? It looked like to me when he was calling certain signals, he had a more open squat and what I found pretty interesting is any time it was an off-speed, he had a very deliberate motion to his pitch com on his knee. Um, Jackson came out and said, yeah, I was tipping. He, he talked about how his glove motion differed, um, I guess, technically vertically, depending upon where it was and for how long, depending upon the pitch he was throwing. Which, yeah, but I think to me, if I'm a hitter, I'm not maybe necessarily picking up exactly on that per se because just the way just the way pitchers are now, right? From quit, whether you look at Johnny Cueto to Nestor Cortez to Shohei Otani, who kind of all mess with that timing element of things. I don't know if I will have necessarily picked up on that. I will have picked up, though, if I'm on the bench of what Alejandro Kirk was doing. So that's where I thought the real tip was actually coming from. Um and, look, you're spot on. I'm, I'm not going to run away from this. When I was playing, I mean, it was kind of one of my tasks on the bench, especially when I was DHing, to be kind of looking at was the catcher exposing anything and was the dugout coaching staff kind of exposing anything that could easily be picked up on and kind of work to a team's advantage. Look, obviously it's it's a – I always have called it it's a gray area only because it's like <laughs> you are trying to steal signs, but you're not, like you said, you're not doing it electronically. You're not going out with this elaborate system in doing it. You're just taking what you can kind of see if you're just looking around and kind of running with it. Um, so uh, piggybacking off of all that, now you get to John Schneider who insinuated um, whatever, um, kind of piggybacking off what. Of, Schulman said, and, and Martin has said in the broadcast, um, kind of the, I wouldn't say he did a full run back on it Tuesday, but he said that his main concern all of a sudden went to the coaching box is 
which I laugh at. If if you've coached baseball, <laughs> and uh, I have, um, you know, we rarely as coaches ever really stand in the coaching box. <laughs> rarely. Um, what's very funny is every there was a lot of receipts quick to point to the Blue Jays coaches not in the boxes pretty much at all, which I don't give really anything about that. Um, I found it funny that in the game Tuesday, Schneider called out Luis Rojas on it, only for Boone, you know, a couple innings later to kind of get on whoever Toronto's third base coach is. I don't know who it is anymore, so I apologize there. But and you could tell Boone clearly didn't like like what was going on, but he just did right. it just because they were being, you know, the way they were. Right, and it goes to my further point of, um, if you're gonna call somebody out on something, don't also be doing it yourself type thing um there's a saying in in racing that you know if you're gonna wreck somebody don't wreck yourself (laughs) you know um and again this kind of circles back to uh, you know john schneider chirping luis rojas or have we figured out who either fat boy or bat boy is yet like yeah there was a report last (laughs) night brad wilkerson the Yankees' oh, assistant hitting coach was the victim of that. He spoke, I guess, in an interview with The Athletic yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess the Yankees were kind of joking around having fun with him in the clubhouse before the game because I, of that comment. As a fat guy myself, John Schneider has no room to uh, go calling anybody. Yeah, and they, <laughs> they employ a guy, like I saw this on Twitter, like Alejandro Kirk, Alec Manoa, bigger guys. Glad you're gonna here. And you're going to call out. Brad Wilkerson of right. all people, who I don't know if he was even saying anything, was he? I don't. I never saw I, I, a camera. That's shot. That's the issue with that. Is I, 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 the camera angles on those were not great. They were kind of, in our assembly, one-sided. Looking at Schneider, since he was the one just kind of barking the whole time. And, and, and it was actually Pete Walker who started it with Luis Rojas, the pitching coach, walked all the way down on the other side of the dugout to start yelling. It's just, it's so like, it's stupid. Now, this is where I go to my experience because I'm very – the only way I can describe it's mobile as a, as a third-base coach. Um, if I have a runner on second, I am very much so out of the box and I'm at an angle to try and more or less get the best view line to who is coming over and guarding second positionally on defense. And also – I'm looking at it helps me try and look at the pitcher. A key part that I don't think many people kind of, I think, realize is you can always tell what a pitcher is doing looking at their hips, uh, if they're going to pick somebody off or not. It's a little bit different for going back to, say, second base in that nature, but it's very pivotal if you're, say, a first base coach and there's a lefty on the mound, Um, you know, vice versa, although you don't see really anybody holding anybody on at third anymore. so yeah, I I you know I'm pretty much anywhere within a, and again I know it's illegal, but you don't have to tell me at first before I stop doing it, because everybody kind of does it, you know, um, you know I could be anywhere from ten feet out of the box at a given time to be completely honest, and but that's that's every coach though that I've ever seen coach a base is they are anywhere and everywhere that. You're going to allow them to be without telling them not to be. And, I, again, go back to that saying is, you know, if you don't want it called on yourself, don't go calling it out. And that's what more or less happened Tuesday. Yeah, it's just so funny that 
you know, Judge did that one time, and, and they thought that, you know, they were illegally stealing signs for him looking at the dugout one time throughout the entire game. And because of the coaches not standing in the box, that's how they picked up the, the pitch. No, that's probably not why. It was probably, like you said, the way the catcher was setting up, the way the pitcher, you know, with his glove and everything. Who also threw six straight sliders. Yeah, and sw- that was sliders slash sweepers. And that was right down the middle. Yeah. So uh, just awful execution by the pitcher. Um, and I don't know, it just seems like the Blue Jays are always out to complain, to do something. I mean, even uh, Michael K. mentioned this yesterday on the show. Do you remember uh, last year when the Rays uh, picked up their uh, card that yeah. fell out of? Yeah. Yep. Um, so it's like they're always after Which is somebody. funnily Kevin Kiermaier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's now part of their team. Yeah. It just seems like they're always out for something. They think everyone's against them. And I don't know. It's whatever. You, know, you bring up a good point, too, because for me, we spent the last week on here talking about how it's always like the Yankees and Rays are in something. But even though they don't have, like, say, the championship that everybody kind of goes back to and talks about in a way with who can do what, I mean, at least the Rays have done something of significance here, you know, recently. Toronto has done nothing. I don't get where they think that they're exactly better than anybody. Like, the days of Jose Bautista and that regime are pretty much long gone. Stan, I think, one or two pitchers every now and then roaming around. Yeah, I remember last year was supposed to be a movie, according to Vlad. And, I mean, they literally have not done anything. They win games. What do they win? Almost 90 games, 90-ish games a year. But they don't go to the playoffs. They don't make it far. Mm -hmm. They have a great group of young players that should be getting them there. um, But they don't. Yeah. And uh, to be fair, in his defense, I mean, Friday the 13th is a movie. So, (laughs) look, I I don't care. I don't mind the chirpingness, uh, the chippiness sometimes every now and then with that. But... I just don't understand where the Blue Jays come off and think that they're better than really anybody. And to be frank, I don't mean to sideswipe Baltimore here, but like Baltimore, I think, has maybe a little bit more of a stake in the AL East than like the Blue Jays have recently type thing. Yeah, and right now they have you the second-best record in Major League Baseball. The Orioles do. Right, right. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, I again, it, it's just it's funny to me that – it's kind of – you talk about last year almost, and it's weird. Like, last year was kind of a quiet-ish year involving the team because you have Montoyo, who more or less became a scapegoat, although he didn't do himself any favors with the Blue Jays. And they kind of ride with Schneider, and I just I, – I don't know. I it, It's weird because Blue Jays do have – admittedly some likable guys on that team right like if you're a baseball fan like we are like it's hard to argue against a guy like Bo Bichette who just goes out and like hits the ball what you know what I mean like just some of those type players and um the fact that they're kind of swept up in say other people's antics within this team kind of sucks more or less to be completely honest with you and that's the thing at the end of the day like to maybe kind of close up at least the first couple of days here since yesterday, Wednesday, the only thing that really popped up from the first couple of days was Aaron Judge celebrating a single by covering his eyes. <laughs> um, you know, it, 
like nobody wins in these types of situations you know what i mean like and that's the part i chuckle at like was i pissed off and upset when the astros punishments came out and they were fairly light yeah did i do some mocking of astros and astros fans for a little bit yeah but at the end of the day nobody won in that it's not good for anybody like the fact of the matter is like mainstream media still brings up that all the time i'm watching for the first time in a while clips of get up the other day and they're comparing aaron judge to the astros type thing and it's like like that happened now six years ago like that's kind of like let that sink in. That happened six years ago. Well, I guess five and a half. You want to be technical until we get to the end of the year, but like that's not an enjoyable moment for baseball or baseball fans anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like nobody, nobody wins in these situations. Everybody just kind of loses, and um, like that's what I mean by like. The fact that it kind of began with two very well-respected broadcasters just kind of sucks, like, in all of this. It just does. Yeah, if that Astros thing uh, never happened, I don't think this mo- or that moment that occurred would be as big of a deal. Um, and then I always throw it back to the Michael K. show because I watch every day, but, you know, there was a caller that called in uh, mm. talking, you know, bad about the Yankees and, and bringing up trash cans and stuff, and it's like, Michael went off on him. It's like, he's like, do you realize the Astros did not get punished for banging a trash can? That's right. legal. If the Yankees picked up a, right. a, a sign and just banged the trash can, that's fine. Right. That's it's the- electronically. That's why the Astros got in trouble. Right. If they were just banging a trash can whenever they thought a guy was tipping a pitch or a slider was coming because they read it, that would be legal. Anyone can do that. But so many casual, mainly casual fans don't understand that cheating uh, that picking up signs, you know, without electronics is not cheating. Mm. And it's amazing how people don't understand if, that. The, the classic saying is, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Right. <laughs> but no, like, I, and that's the thing. You brought up a good point there where it's like, I, I remember for us, it was always, um, and I might get this portion of it confused, but it's the, the point of it. It's like, if we said our name, it was a fastball. And if it was our number, it was off speed. Like... Yep. That's so different than banging a trash can once or twice, depending upon what's coming, in that sense. And I don't know if you saw, but did you see what la- or last night what Kirk was doing? No. He was throwing up random signs mm-hmm. and then tapping the pitch com. So trying, this right. time trying to throw off the Yankees, yeah. which you should be doing. Yeah. So, yeah, he was just randomly throwing up signs. Sometimes he wouldn't, and then he'd just tap it at the last second. Right. So and that that to go back to that point too, I, I laugh at people. At least at this point, I laugh at people. Or sorry, was that Jansen that was catching last night? Jansen was catching. Either way, last night, but yeah. yeah, you get it. Well, I laugh at people who, at this point, legitimately believe that the Rays are intercepting, for example, communication, because one, you realize the undertaking that there has to be that's like borderline militaristic. But two, like the MLB would probably be already on it if it was even remotely like true. Or if there was smoke. So it's just, it's one of those things where, like I said, at the end of the day in this, nobody actually wins. Like, it's just going to be a continuous 
bad spot, not just on the Yankees, not just on the Blue Jays, but on the sport and the league as a whole. And before we move on quickly, um, obviously we know Aaron Judge was not telling the truth post game. Correct. But why would he? If no, that, and, if they're right. picking up stuff, why would you give it away? Right. And you have three more games to go against them, and if you can keep picking up something for an advantage, why not do it? So everyone's calling him out for being a liar, this and that. No team would do that. That's a competitive advantage. The same thing that Kiermaier did last year with the Rays when he picked up the the sign sheet. That, it's, that oh, I thought it was mine. Like, yeah, you're not going to say it was theirs. Like, come and on. it's funny. I wonder if Judge thought that thing in his head quickly as they were asking or if before he spoke, the PR director told him, like, hey, this is what we're going with. Don't say anything more. Right. I'm wondering if, like, how that kind of went down. Because I was willing a, to he bet. Was, he was, like, tra- straight face everything. Yeah. I'm willing to bet in that situation was a combo of both. Uh, the, whoever the handler was, whether it's his direct or the teams, definitely probably alerted him, to like, hey, this is probably going to become a neat, more or less, probably, I wouldn't say decide on the spot, but new what direction he wanted to go prior. Uh, some sort of combo, I'd say. Um, all right, let's switch gears here. Let's talk some updates here on a few different players. Severino, Luis is back. He will be starting on Sunday against the Reds. So um, I wouldn't say slowly is built back, but it was a bit of a longer time than maybe the Yankees had hoped. But at the end of the day, he'll be returning this weekend and brings a frankly much needed probably relief spot i don't mean to phrase it that way but relief spot into a rotation that desperately needed him back yeah uh obviously it's good to get him back i'm just not sure how deep he's going to be able to go um he only threw 58 pitches the other night uh in his rehab start so i'm sure they'll maybe uh try to keep it around 70 now um which if he's efficient he'll be able to go probably five innings but if not, he's probably going to be on the shorter end of that, but it's still better to have him throw, you know, four, five innings rather than use a use a bullpen for another entire game. Because as I kind of mentioned last show, this bullpen just continues to be used a ton. And, uh, you know, now you we're going to talk about it, but they lost another reliever recently in the last couple of days. Um, so, yeah, like, they their starters got to go deeper. Um, Cole did a pretty good job last night for the most part. Would have been nice to see him get through seven. Um, but, yeah, they need more consistent uh, innings from their starters. And uh, I feel like it's eventually going to come. Um, but, yeah, they, they've used a bullpen a ton. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I, we'll table uh, – we'll, we'll bring it up right now quick. Um, like, Severino was the only locked-in starter for the weekend, and he's on Sunday. Um and obviously the two people who normally follow Cortez are Brito and Schmidt, so um, it will be pretty interesting to kind of see what kind of happens with either or, I guess, at this point, because clearly there's a thought process here uh, between who will be getting the starts Friday night or Saturday afternoon in, in Cincinnati, you know? Yeah, and the opener thing went pretty well when they uh, started yeah. Jimmy Cordero. Um, so maybe they kind of do the same thing, I would say. Maybe. Because, uh, yeah. believe it or not, Jimmy Cordero, it seems like he's pretty stretched out. I think he threw 30 pitches in that two innings, and then they used him again last night. He threw nine the first, which was which was the reason why he got the second. Yep. 
And it's not like he threw bad the second inning. I think a lot of foul balls. I was like, about to say 10 pitches were in the first at bat alone for him. Yeah, yeah, that was really what pushed that count. But, yeah, I thought that I thought it was going to backfire, to be honest. But, you know, I've been negative a lot recently. But it worked well. Um, Johnny Breedle pitched well, too, in relief. Um, hit the runs that were actually on his line. Uh, I forgot who came in, but, yeah, struggled. And, oh, Marinaccio, and they were charged to him. But I kind of like what they did there. It seems like Breedle does better when he doesn't start a game. Mm-hmm. No, I, definitely. And it goes without saying, obviously, the Domingo Herman um, substance issue again creeped up, which is it's weird that it somehow, I wouldn't say got swept under the rug with everything kind of going on, but, you know, when certain things kind of dominate headlines compared to others. And, you know, Herman's out 10, 10 games. Obviously, for him, it'll just be two starts, but... Um, in the light of everything that happened with that, how dumb of a move? Why would you even give any opportunity for there to be something like that pop up? You know, and that's the thing at the end of the day for me that not even so much the illegal substance portion of it, where it's just again with him. It's it's kind of funny. Like I I said this to my brother, and I was just like, it's weird how. He'll have these moments where it's like, oh, he's getting this thing kind of figured out, and then he does something like this. It's like he just does not learn, like, one way or another. It's always something. It's always something with him, it seems like. Yeah, two things. Um, The thing with me is, yeah, I agree that he should have been thrown out based on the, the whole check, but did they not check him in the first two innings? Usually, after a starter throws the first thing, they immediately check. Well, it, it was so, the Phil Cuzzy crew again. So, did they just not check, and then he figured, oh, like, I'm fine? Or did they check, and then he didn't think they were going to check for a while, so he threw more stuff on between innings? That's kind of my question. And then a question for you, Paul. Mm-hmm. He had, he said this himself, and then Jack Curry from Yes Network and Michael Kay have all said that that stuff that was on his pants that were shown on the mm-hmm. camera was actually tobacco. And if you zoom in I on mean, it, you can tell it is, it does look sure. like tobacco. But still, it doesn't take away what was yeah. on his hand. I'm just saying that whole thing right there doesn't really show what he had on his hand. Right. Because it was tobacco. But then I also saw a replay zoomed in the other night. They said it was so sticky that they had trouble taking it off his palm. Mm-hmm. I saw it. It didn't really look that way. They were just rubbing it. Yeah, I mean. So I, I don't know. Again, but Michael K did also say this. He didn't put up a fight. Boone didn't put up a fight. He mm. didn't put up a fight. And what did Verlander or uh, sorry Scherzer do mm. when he got put caught? Fight, yeah. So that kind of gives it away right there that mm. he knew he did something that he shouldn't right. have done. And, that, and that's why I get back to you with this. Is like I'm on the bet they probably did the same thing they did before, where it's like go wash it off because they do check after the first inning. I, exactly. So, that's why I don't know why did he just add more or like or didn't do an up again. Again, I go back to this. It was a Phil Cuzzy crew again with this in the series here, and he, he's been the only. It, it's always been his crew that that has done these um, checks that result in the ejections. And did Toronto request that? Because if you saw the replay, um, he was not even halfway out of the dugout, and they were already coming at him before the fourth inning started. Like oh, immediately, I, he wasn't even out to the mound. He was on the first baseline, not even onto the field yet. 
and they came over and they were like talking to him, grabbing his glove like immediately. So I'm just kind of wondering. I don't. I didn't see camera shots, but did Schneider request it because of the three perfect innings? And he's like, oh yeah, we better check him. Or did that was that really just a pre-inning check? Because usually it's after an inning. So I, that kind of just. I mean, it's possible that a lot of did, things right? just surprise me with the whole. Yeah, I mean, it's possible given given the way the series played out that they did ask for it. Because you mean, don't see them interrupt a starter while he's walking his way out to pitch another inning. You see it after the inning. So I just because we were in commercial break and I was getting tweets like Domingo Herman has been ejected. I was like, what? And then it comes yeah. back on, and sure enough, I mean, at, at the end of the day, I just go back to the fact that. You have to have the situational awareness to not put yourself in that situation. Um, and it messed just, up the whole thing. Right, yeah. I mean, and that goes back to it where, um, like I said, I mean, in theory, the series in Cincinnati for the Yankees this weekend should be, um, you know, TBD, Herman, Severino, or whoever Severino. It sounds like Severino was more or less locked into the 21st no matter what. Um, but you know, TBD, Herman, Severino should should be, should have been the three this weekend. It's it's just not. Um, so yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe we'd, I wouldn't be opposed to having Cordero go again. Um, I know Garcia. I think is he's technically eligible at this point to get called back up. So um, I I don't know. Just dumb, dumb all the way around. Um. Anyway, back to it. Ian Hamilton, you mentioned this a little bit. Kyle uh, placed on the IL with a right groin strain. Nick Ramirez, the lefty, recalled to take a spot on the active roster. Bit of a bit of a hit for a, a nice little feel-good story, too. Um, kind of found himself in these high-leverage situations for the Yankees. Uh, he was actually the guy who came in directly after Herman uh, to relieve him. So um, tough spot for him now, a tough spot for the team um, as the Yankees kind of Snake their way kind of through a, a interesting bullpen spot right now that that kind of features and I, I'll tee it up right here because um, I think we might be a little bit closer with Tommy Canley than we kind of maybe initially thought. He's throwing a live bullpen session uh, and batting practice today, or uh, yeah, today in Tampa Thursday. So uh, it should be interesting there. But um, you know, and where the Yankees have finally kind of found their spot now with Clay Holmes, it appears um, in the eighth inning. Um, they lose a guy who they kind of were turning to to kind of be a bit of a closer meets high-pressure situation guy as well. Yeah, that news really hurts. Uh, he's allowed just three runs in 21 innings this year. He's mm-hmm. been so reliable. Um, you know, we don't know how long he's going to be out yet, but uh, other guys really have to step up. Right now, Ron Marinaccio, if you look at his last four games, he is struggling. You know, he's going to figure it out eventually, but while he's struggling – you need a guy like Albert Abreu. Mm. Um, you know, Ryan Weber did a tremendous job uh, the other night in relief. He legend. Yeah, he got seven outs without yeah. giving up a run against a really good lineup. Mm. So you just need guys like that to step up, and that's what makes teams so great. The depth, the different guys stepping up when guys are struggling. And that's what they really need from these guys that aren't used to high-leverage situations. Um, but it's good to see Clay Holmes, uh, you know, figure it out. Michael King was great last night. He's been throwing it well. Um, poor, so if they can get Marinaccio. Huh? <laughs> poor Wandy last night. <laughs> yeah. If they can get Marinaccio uh, figured out, Wandy's going to bounce back too. They're all right. And then eventually Canely coming back. Um, I still think, 
you know, we're way a ways away, but they do need to add another reliever, um, you know, via trade or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I think they're in a pretty good spot for the most part. You know, I know he's technically retired, but I'm sure Adam Warren's available somewhere. <laughs> yeah. um, I love Adam Warren, by the way. I, I, a guy that I have still some stock in. Um, Giancarlo Stanton uh, should begin a rehab assignment soon. There's no exact date slash timeline with him, uh, but something that Boone had alluded to, um, he's a full participant in baseball activities now, so um, presumably I'm guessing it will come next week after the off day on Monday that we will see probably where he really shakes out. And then maybe some really great news here in disguise a little bit. Carlos Rodon uh, does not need another cortisone injection at this time and uh, throwing from 90 feet. So um, he is building this back strength back up apparently here to the point that um, perhaps we're looking at a month, month and a half at until uh, we see him in pinstripes. Yeah, we'll see. Um, still won't believe it until I really see him back. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is encouraging news, but we saw this before. So uh, I- I'm just going to say let's wait and see. That's kind of all I have really on that. Fair. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, all right. Let's preview the series in Cincinnati here quickly. Um for the Yankees, uh, this Reds team a bit um, plucky, kind of. Um, obviously, we know that they gave the Mets fits. Uh, yep. If you're an AL East team, they've, they've given you fits. They're the ones who derailed the race start to the year, uh, winning a series against them. Shutting them out twice. Yeah. So before that, though, one more game in Toronto. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Kyle, tonight, 7.07 on ES or MLB Network. Nestor Cortez against Jose Barrios. Uh, getting the start tonight for the Blue Jays. Um, we might have our, I hate putting it like this, but we might have our offensive onslaught game here for both teams tonight, to be completely honest, uh, between the Yankees and the Blue Jays. So, I, I don't know. I, I Like I said, I began the week on a nice gut-feeling 3-1 for the Yankees getting a series win, uh, but I thought more than likely it would probably be, you know, 2-2 true split. So, the ultimate test of, immovable force versus unbreakable object happens tonight, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Cortez has been miserable his last five yeah. games. I really uh, hope he figures it out, but it's a tough lineup to navigate. Uh, so, yeah, I don't really know what to expect from this one, I, but that's kind of what makes it fun now because, you know, you know, it could go either way. It should be a fun game. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then the Yankees hop on the jet, head back stateside, for the series in Cincinnati tomorrow night, 640 on yes. Yankees are to be determined against Ben Lively. He's got two starts on the year. He's 1-1 one one with a 1.69 ERA since getting called back up from Louisville. Uh, Saturday, 410 on yes, to be determined against Luke Weaver. 1-2, a 6-2-6 ERA for Cincinnati. And then Sunday, it's brunch baseball for the Yankees. Their first on year, 11-35 first pitch on Peacock. Luis Severino against the sensational Hunter Green. still looking for his first decision on the year, uh, 4-6 ERA for him. So um, I think collectively in this mess uh, of four games, I think the Yankees come out 2-2. I think they get the series victory over the Reds, although I really do think, uh, like I said, I want to stick to my gut feeling saying that they win the series outright on Toronto. But um, I think, you know, if they head to Cincinnati and they take, you know, two or three, and it's to me I say two or three because – uh, just they they don't know what the pitching plan is yet for the first two games of the series, and I just 
I'm not a fan of that at the moment, and I haven't been a fan of that all year, whether it's been for the Yankees or the Mets. So it's kind of how I feel about that. I'm going to say they win all four. Oh, look at you coming around. I just have this feeling, this weird feeling, that all of a sudden they're going to just start winning games. And uh, Man, it's weird how baseball works sometimes, don't it? I'm a little worried about tonight, but I don't know. I just feel like they might sweep the Reds. Um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll say it. They'll win all four, all and right. uh, it'll be a it'll be a good two week stretch for the for the Yankees. All right, I like that, Kyle. Welcome back to some optimism. Now we head to where all optimism dies. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's not a lot of positives. The New York Mets. It's hard to be. Po- it's no Paul Furrow though. It's really hard. I, to be I know. Po- I know. This is where I this is where I heel turn for. And wait, until you, wait until I tell you the lineup in a little while. Okay, it's already out. It's it's all right. Stupid. All right, I'll let you. I know what. Okay, hmm. how do how do I want to do this here then? Okay, they got smoked by Patrick Corbin, which is a statement that <laughs> I didn't think we'd be saying in 2023 at this point, let alone anything of the past couple of years. But congratulations, Mets fans! You finally broke me. So, um, you guys suck. Your team is full of bums. Let's start with Ooh. Justin Verlander, who struggled yet again against Tampa. Um, he had a complete no-show. Yeah, I, I just... Like, even give up three runs, and that's so, a fine start. Well, here's the thing, I guess, in a way, and I, I don't know. Uh, last year, towards the... It's, God, it's strange because so many people were pounding the Cy Young Trump for him and stuff like that, but um, like the reason why Houston knew why he signed him is because they knew at some point, like, regression had to, had to come up to him. And, oh, it's here. age. And, um... Look, I don't know. It, it's a tough spot, hindsight, right? It's easy to say, well, wasn't an overpay probably. But, I mean, it's kind of like one of those things, like, did you have an exact option to? It's a bit of like the Dak, well, I wouldn't say Dak Prescott. I'll go with the one that really hits home to me, Kyle. It's a bit of the Kirk Cousins complex, right, where is Kirk a top five quarterback in the league no see a top 10 yeah he's one of those like fringe guys I'd, i've always said who in a given year probably floats between number eight to number 13 14 right type thing of quarterback power rankings that sure yeah i understand why you, why you don't think he might not he might not be good enough but if you let him go you're gonna find out just how good he actually probably is <laughs> type thing um so I I don't know what the Mets could have slash should have done. I look, he's slated to start again this weekend. He's only got three starts on the year. If he goes against Cleveland and has another miserable showing, something's got to be figured out to me at that point. I'm not going to run away from that at this point. I think that goes back to my general feelings now about what Mets fans have done for me with this team at this point. In a way. Um, but it, it's tough because, look, he's, he's coming off a time where he just was not throwing at all, and uh, he's finally kind of getting back going here a little bit. And I don't know. I, I, will, I will give him the leeway here because he, he needed more time and more runway to get going off this injury. But um, if he were to go, when's he throwing again here? Let me check quick. So, hey, Sunday night baseball, the biggest stage of, of the week for of the weekend for the game, right? If you go out. 
Sunday and get outclassed by Shane Bieber by a pretty good amount, then sure, time to panic. I'll allow for it. Yeah, I think that was well said. Um, I think it was more because it was his first start at City Field as a member of yeah, the Mets. Right. And you're in front of the home crowd and, you know, you're getting booed and it's just it's a tough spot. But, I mean, he, for a veteran guy like that, to pitch like that, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you expect? You're going to get booed. And the way the team's been playing, that's expected too. Um, so, yeah, we'll see if he bounces back. He's, he's going to really need to. I think it's going to be kind of interesting here um, what what the reception will be like Sunday for him. Um, but I'm not – I don't like doing that speculative thing on how he'll feel and how he'll play. Um, speaking of play here, and this is where I think we can get excited a little bit here with the Mets. Um, if they build off from it because it's only one game. Which part are we going with here? Like they're winning, they're big win. Well, that's not really what I'm going. They go and lay an egg today. It's like if if they were to have lost last night, I still would be doing this portion of the conversation because finally, I wouldn't say they they came to their senses, but I think it it was a you know push come to shove moment where finally Mark Vientos gets called up yep. and makes an immediate impact and well. Obviously, this portion usually is, you know, the next discussion point of the updates and stuff like that. But, you know, bringing up Vientos costs Luis Guillorme, who I don't <laughs> I don't know if he was the exact right guy to get sent down. But um, I think he's the one who had one option somehow left compared to, say, like Escobar, maybe <laughs> type situation. Uh, either way, that's not really the point of what I'm getting with here. The fact of the matter is. We know we've seen what Brett Beatty's doing. We've seen what Francisco Alvarez is finally doing with more at bats, and finally, for the Mets, we are three of four of these young guys finally up on the roster, on the active roster, and like I said, immediate impact. To be completely honest, uh, let alone the fact that that Vientos home run tied the game back up, and and forced what ended up becoming potentially a a flag a hallmark moment for this Met season potentially but I think it changes the just the general vibe for the team um I think it like I think it lights a fire like Pete Alonzo hits that walk off last night and, and drops the f-bomb on live tv and stuff like that but like when was the last time you saw that type of spark with this Mets team this year. It's been borderline a month now almost, it seems like. And I'm not saying maybe you don't get that exact moment if Vientos isn't up, but, like, if if they don't make that move, if there isn't that energy, I think, in the clubhouse of, like, okay, like, Buck and the rest of management like are trying to figure this deal out here like nobody's safe like nobody's safe the fact of the matter is it's almost as big a move bringing vientos up is sending guillorme down who has been with the mets now for six seasons pretty much at the big league level and is a huge clubhouse presence i think buck said was one of the hardest conversations he's ever had with a player sending a guy down was that one and because he's such a big locker room guy that 
what like what does that tell you? Like clearly, like the Mets aren't going to joke around with this. Like they're going to try and figure this out. And to me, it's something that we were clamoring last year with the Yankees to do, with bring up Cabrera, bring up Peraza. They brought up Volpe at the start of the year. Um, screw it, I want Jason Dominguez up at this point, but that's here and over there. But we've noticed this now. Teams around the big leagues are are being less and less afraid to put the kids in and let them play at the end of the day. Houston's doing it this year, for example, with pretty much their whole pitching staff. Uh, Braves really, have always to done be it. Fair, right? yeah, the Braves are a great example of it, um, even though they're kind of now caught in the middle of a couple different things going on that I think hindsight's twenty twenty for them to, with a couple of those arms. But the fact of the matter is you're not going to know unless you don't try. You know, Detroit gave it a go with Torrelson. He's finally kind of figured it out a little bit, but – it took him a year, but you're not going to find out unless you let the kids play, right? And the Mets had an immediate impact moment by doing that last night with Mark Vientos, in my opinion. Yeah, three uh, three comebacks against State, the best team in baseball, and, um, you know, to be able to walk it off in front of your home crowd and the excitement, um, you know, their best win in, like you said, what, a month or so, um, you would think they would build off from it. But they get an afternoon game today. You look at the lineup. No Vientos, no Alvarez. All right, go ahead. You can do you can do the lineup now. By the way, and you look at the DH spot. You know Alvarez caught last night's a day game after a night game. So what would you do if you were Buck Showalter? The obvious move? I'd probably DH. DH yeah, Alvarez. Yeah. But Daniel Vogelback is DHing today. Stupid move. And then you look, and you don't see Mark Vientos in the lineup. And you see a guy like Eduardo Escobar in the lineup, who does not deserve playing time right now. Stupid lineup to me. Um, Mar- no Marte uh, today, which that's, I would say that's a good move because he's been struggling a yeah. lot. Yeah. But just other ways they could have made this lineup out today. You know, Brett Beatty's in there at third, so that's I like seeing that, but... Other ways they could have made out this lineup, even though Alvarez caught last night. I just can't believe Vogelback is earning playing time I was after say, that yeah, big win. Uh, yeah. That big win last night. The, the two kids that really helped you come back last night are not in the lineup. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna piggyback off you. Pitching for Tampa this afternoon here in just a matter of um let's see here, just over an hour of our time right now. Taj Bradley, one of their top prospects. Hard to say, I guess he's a top prospect more. I think he's one more start after today from losing technically the prospect label the way the rules work. But, look, Tampa, they're they're allowing the kids to, to kind of play outside of Luis Patino, but whatever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. And, I look, I, I'm with you. I, I understand completely if you don't want to have Alvarez catching uh, a day game after a night game. But That's have him DH. DH. Yeah. Have him DH. It's just that simple. And it's weird. I I just you have, God. After roasting the guy earlier um, in the week, like I'd rather have Marte in there over Escobar. To be completely honest, I don't know if that's just my own personal bias coming out there, but I just think Marte just gives you a little bit more versatility, maybe at the point at this point than Escobar does in a sense. I I don't. I'm not trying to dissect that too much, but yeah, I. You just call up, like, why isn't Vientos in the lineup today? Like, that's just Literally mind-boggling. kills the whole vibe and everything around. Yeah. And don't tell me he needs a day off. He's a kid. Yeah. And he should be in your lineup every he's day. Been, 
He's been playing all the games for Syracuse. He takes that Monday off that they have for the travel day, but he's been playing every game for Syracuse. He is fine. He wants to play. He's 23. Let the kid eat. Let then, the kids play. And then earlier this week, you see Brett Beatty on the bench for some of these games. Why is he not in the lineup? And Escobar is still getting at-bats. Vogelback still getting at-bats. And then Buck right here, I see a tweet, says that he considered putting Beatty back in the outfield today after he moved there late in last night's then game. do it! So instead of putting him back in the outfield, they put Tommy Pham in left field today. And then, you know, that takes Vantos out, takes Alvarez out, and puts Vogel back at DH. Listen, I don't know. If they win today, fine. But if they don't and they score, like, one run, it's like, it's. I guess it's more predictable because they're putting I, in the same guys that have been awful for three weeks. And, and by the way, lost in the shuffle of all this now is I, I completely skipped over the fact that Kodai Senga had arguably his best start yet also last night. Yeah, and got for a while we thought that was going to be wasted. Yeah. And it, I guess it did get wasted. Yeah, like because he didn't get the win. So um, Allowed what? One run? I think it was one run, one walk, and 12 strikeouts. Yeah, unreal. Just, I mean. In front of his family. You see his family was there watching him I did the not time? see that, no. He had like a whole group out and uh, sitting watching him. That's awesome, though, I mean, to be honest. But, yeah, I just lost in the shuffle of all that. Um, he said, I'm glad I just didn't get booed. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's fair, I guess. Um, hey, a couple other news and notes here. We have to get this thing moving along. We are running incredibly long on time here because we went long-winded on a couple different points. Uh, Peterson, David Peterson, back to AAA at Syracuse uh, after suffering another loss, another crush to the Nationals for him. I'm not sure what's up with him, to be honest. I, I, I don't know if he's just one of these what I call every other year guys, but it's just not sustainable, to be honest. Um, I, I don't know. I I feel bad because after the year he had last year and what he did for the team, I, I thought that uh, this would not be the the case anymore for him, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the deal is with him exactly. Like I said, if he's just going to be one of those every other year type guys or, or what, but that, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, he's not just giving up a few runs. He's giving up a lot, like yeah. six or I think or eight the last start. A lot of runs. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, Tomas Nito nearing a return. His vision's improving. Um, an interesting note here is, uh, despite having LASIK surgery back in 2019, he'll actually switch back and begin wearing contacts again um, when he returns to play. Uh, it's part of his vision improving is going back to the contacts. So um, something interesting there. I, I don't know. I've never had any vision issues that have required me to wear glasses or contacts or anything like that um so this part i find very very interesting to be honest i think it's um i think it goes a little bit maybe beyond having just um dry eye syndrome or anything like that to be completely honest with you i'm not saying that wasn't part of it i clearly it was he had to have in this part of it i definitely never hope i have to go through he had to have like injections done to like get the get the eye wet wow. and I, I don't know how that works i can only imagine how it might work and i don't want any part of it like i said so i i don't know um so that's interesting you see a few more catchers here progressively through the year and oddly enough the one that always sticks out now is danny jansen who um i don't think the glasses he wears are necessarily for vision uh for his vision but you know he wears glasses for at least protection 
and um, I kind of wonder if that might have to be something that Nito has to look at potentially here as well as um, something along those lines um, because look I mean catchers are having dirt in their eyes practically 24-7 so um, that they'll dry out the eyes pretty quick <laughs> trust me so um, kind of makes me wonder if that's maybe some of the long lines there and uh, not to tease anything too too much but uh, Carlos Carrasco will be uh, returning off the injured list um, tomorrow morning, and he'll get his uh, return start tomorrow against uh, the Guardians. So uh, big stuff for the Met rotation. Yeah, and we do have a quick update on Gary Sanchez. Oh. His opt-out is tomorrow, Uh-oh. but Buck Schultz said they're strongly considering asking him to extend it another 10 days because they're still trying to make a decision whether to call him up or not. So uh, I guess that's kind of interesting. Um, and if Good. I'm Sanchez, I would let it extend. Here's an interesting proposition here before, because like I said, we're running along. We're probably going to have to cut this off here uh, within the next few minutes. But here's an interesting proposition. I don't know how Gary necessarily feels about this, but Gary is full-time or at least the part-time DH in New York. Yeah. I, I mean. I how Vogelback's still on this roster. Yeah, bring him up. Let Gary catch here and there. Right, give him DH at bats. And ride. I mean, that's the thing with that too is you'd have a third catcher up on that roster by just by you know definition. And we know Mike but, Perez won't be here much longer. So there's one move. Then get rid of Vogel back, and there's there's ways they can bring Sanchez onto the roster, and we'll see if they do it. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I, again we're we'll touch on that in a minute because uh, like I said we're running out of time here more or less. We're going long again today. It is what it is. So rubber match with the Rays. Uh, in just a little bit for the Mets, it will be Tyler Magel getting the nod there for them. He goes against Taj Bradley, like I already said. Um, that will be on SNY momentarily. Uh, tomorrow night, 7-10 on SNY, the first game against the Guardians, Cal Quantrill against Carlos Carrasco. 4-10 in your local picks affiliate. Uh, Tanner Bybee goes for the Guardians against Max Scherzer. And then Sunday night baseball, 7-10 on ESPN. Excuse me, Bieber versus Verlander. Um, I think the Mets. I think the Mets win the series against the Guardians. I think um, this weekend's big. I think it's a big put up or shut up type weekend in a way. To be completely honest, um, I think the Yankees. Even if the Yankees split with Toronto, they kind of had that put up or shut up moment in a way that like they show that we can we can do this type thing, right? So for the Mets. You know, I think it's their weekend to show that we can do this, and I think they get it done. And if they don't, so be it, and I'll come back on Monday, and I will do, once again, probably the full doom and gloom heel turn for them again. So that's where I stand on that. I think they lose uh, today. Right. Which would give them seven, just seven wins in the last 23 games, which is crazy to think. And then I think they only win one against the Guardians. Wow. I think this momentum that they had last night gets killed today. Because of this, I think really because of the lineup, the offense is not going to show up today, and then they're going to kind of feel back to where they were. Not a lot of confidence, uh, and yeah, I just think that's how it's going to go. Yeah. All right, before we get out here, just we're going to spend a quick just moment here on Rochester and Syracuse. Um, so so far, uh, I guess it, it's been a quietish week for Rochester. They've split with Buffalo so far. They're even on the series. Really, the only thing that is worth noting is Kevin Paulicki. Uh, opted out of his deal. So, um, 
the veteran catcher will try and go and find a spot on a roster with another team somewhere. Somebody will pick him up. But look, he's a good veteran catcher. Um, you can never have enough of him. He'll, he'll find a landing spot somewhere type thing. Syracuse, on the other hand, uh, dropped their two opening two in Norfolk, have lost seven straight, walked up in five of the last eight now. Just I, if it's gone wrong for Syracuse, it, it's gone wrong, <laughs> uh, more or less, including – uh, and it's interesting because I haven't seen anything since you shared the tweet with me about this, Kyle, last night. But Dylan Bundy tossed for a foreign substance himself uh, in Norfolk. So, um, like I said, if it's gone wrong, it's probably has gone wrong for the Syracuse Mets here in the past week. <laughs> I guess the one positive is they're in all these games, so I guess they're competitive. Yeah, yeah to, to be fair. But um, quickly, I'm sure it is, but I just want to say, isn't it the same rule for the minor leagues? Is it yes. 10 games? It, or as, far, as far as I know, yes. So, uh, but... Losing him, uh, if you look at his numbers, wouldn't be uh, that big of a deal because he's not been pitching well, which is weird because it's crazy how much he's fallen off. Um, I I thought, you know, he'd get back to, you know, pitching well and maybe – because remember we were talking about maybe he'll learn a call-up eventually, but that's not going to happen. Is he their Mike Montgomery this year? Yes. (laughs) Uh, When when opposing teams see him on the mound, they're like, yes. Eyes wide up. Wait to hit. (laughs) But, yeah, it's uh, a tough stretch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, it's so I and again, I, I, it's funny because I'll be actually going and seeing them for sure next week. Uh, not to preview too much ahead, obviously, but they're playing Louisville, who is the Cincinnati Reds AAA affiliate. My dad's a Reds fan, so him, uh, myself, and my brother are going up for. I think we're going Buck Night on Thursday. So, nice. uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's weird. I think they got shot out for the first time in a while yesterday. Even they lost three nothing. So it's not like. It's not even like in that game they were necessarily like score wise out of it either. And it was take, one of those one of those things where, oddly enough, the pitching was the reason why they were in the game and not the offense. And then now you take Vientos out, who has been unbelievable Appreciate for you. time, baby. So uh, yeah, that, it's crazy how quickly that team's flipped around. Yeah. All right, so that will do it for today. Uh, we'll be obviously back on Monday. Um, apologize again for for going long here a little bit, but hey, sometimes that happens and. It was a fun episode. A lot of stuff to get to and a lot of stuff to talk about that we normally don't usually talk about. <laughs> uh, but that's baseball. So uh, we'll get out of here. Uh, if you can't watch us live here on YouTube, we'll catch up anytime on YouTube, Spotify, and Spotify for podcasters. And we will be back on Monday. Enjoy the weekend, everybody.